Welcome to The Jump Around, my women's basketball podcast where the only constant is each and every episode I'll sit down with someone different from around the game. As for the conversation, well, there's a reason this is called The Jump Around. I'm Blake Dudonis. Today's episode is, well, it kind of serves two purposes. On one hand, I'll be talking to a college coach, TCU women's basketball head coach Reagan Peebley, but on the other hand, it's also going to be part two of our focus on broadcasters around the game. See, Reagan is the lead analyst for the Dallas Wings TV games. So we'll talk to her a little bit about her broadcasting career, a lot about her coaching with TCU, and she has an extremely interesting journey to where she's gotten to this point today. So we will talk to Reagan about all that and more. This is the jump around. And as promised, joining me now is the multi-hat-wearing head coach of TCU women's basketball, Reagan Peebley, and also the lead analyst for the Dallas Wings TV games. Coach, first off, thanks so much for joining me today. And before we dive into your broadcasting career, I want to go back a little bit to uh, kind of your beginning. I don't know how familiar people necessarily are with you, but you were the 21st pick in the inaugural WNBA draft. Uh, you've you've been coaching for a long time, so you've been you've been in this game since you know for a long time and since the inception of the pro game. For you, what have you seen? So we'll we'll jump back and forth between college and, and pros, but in the pro game, what have you seen? the biggest growth in the league since you first popped in there in that first year? Wow. Well, um, you know, and, and to take it back just a little bit more, the exposure that I've had with the pro game is my dad actually coached um, in the, the women's pro league when they had in the late 70s, early 80s, the New Orleans Pride and the Dallas Diamonds. And, you know, I remember going with him to practices and going to the games and having a team over and, um, so I've just had that exposure, uh, really, really lucky um, since day one. But in the WNBA, where I think I've seen um, so much of the growth, is the lion's share of it, I think, is the last five, six years, really. Um, you're starting to see younger players coming in and making a bigger splash sooner. Um, and I, I credit that to not only the increase in athleticism, but I think it's uh, they've grown up with the league, and they've grown up watching it. And the coaches that they have at the grassroots level and the high school level have grown up with it and are hopefully watching it and helping them skill develop in a way that prepares them for um, making you know those little girl dreams into a reality and uh, finding that success. Yeah, well... After your playing career, you jump into the college coaching ranks, and I think I think you might have served on one of the sneaky, underrated best staffs of all time at Colorado State. Uh, you're you're with Tom Tom Cullen, Nikki, Kurt Miller, and you coach Becky Hammond. Like, holy crap! That's a heck of a that's murderer's row of coaches right there. Well, I'll tell you, when I got there, actually, Becky Hammond was our graduate assistant. Okay. She- might have passed this all up. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty quickly. Whatever happened to her, but huh? She, well, yeah, what, what is that girl doing anyways? But um, that was just an incredible staff that Tom Collin had put together. And, you know, I, I advise people 
the coach that I played for in college, Steelberry, um, so good. She's such a great teacher and of the game, and um, you know she knows how to, to make a team, um, you know, really fly all in the same direction and, and discipline us up. And uh, but she taught the game, and her philosophy surrounding the game was so different than the coaches I played for in the WNBA, and absolutely different than the coaches I worked for. And uh, that was so valuable to me as a coach that I was able to learn all the different ways that you can skin this cat, how you can uh, offensively attack, how you can game plan, how you can practice plan, how you can um, build team camaraderie and culture, um, how you handle discipline problems. Um, You couldn't get more different, I think, than some of the coaches I worked for. And Tom... Uh, I tell you, the staff that he had, I think he is an expert at practice planning um, and uh, helping a team play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Kurt is a master um, at game planning. And, uh, I mean, he just dissects teams. He knows what they're going to do before they even, I think, know what they're going to do. Um, and then Nikki, you know, I think Nikki adds an edge. She's a little bit of both of what Tom and Kurt do, but she also brings a swag a bit and a confidence and really good at building team culture. Um, and so I just, it was a really, really special staff, and I'm super thankful that I was able to be added to it. Well, you take all those lessons you learn, and it's it's so crazy because this is something, you know, I didn't even realize, but you take over as the head coach at, at Utah State, and a program who had a 25 year hiatus. And so you are just given the keys to this car that has no gas in it. It's got no steering wheel. It's got nothing. And you take yeah. over and in just a few years after, you know, early struggles, as you would expect, you, you head to the NIT, uh, back to back years in 2010 and 11. I just, if you could take me back to that, starting a division one program from scratch, I mean, that must've been incredibly difficult. Well, I can't believe still when I look at it that they gave me that job at the age that they gave me. I was 26 years old, um, uh, just barely turning 27. Um, I uh, had actually um, been the youngest Division One head coach on the men's or women's side, and that reign was uh, taken over. The baton was passed off from me to Maggie Dixon, who is mm. Jamie Dixon, our men's staff, our men's head coach here at TCU, his sister yeah. um, at Army. And uh, I remember talking to her about what it was like to just be a few years older than your players <laughs> um, and how you go about that. But um, it was uh, such it was awesome. It was hard. I wish I could go back and coach those first probably four or five teams that I had there with the knowledge that I have now. Sure. Um, and I would be better for them. I would be better for all of them. Um, but you do the best you can with what you got. I remember I had a recruiting budget to build an entire team with $5,000. <laughs> and so when I have uh, recruiting coordinators come to me and say, hey, I don't know if we have enough money. And I'm like, how many players do we got to sign? Right. <laughs> I signed a whole team on $5,000. Perspective. Uh, but it was really special, uh, really, really special. And those those teams at Utah State, I, I really think Logan is where I developed uh, the identity of who I wanted to be as a coach. And they, they mentored me and taught me so much. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just, I still, I can't even imagine uh, trying to build something from scratch like that. But you, you turn that, that, that program into something, you go to Fresno State, you win the league both years, you're at Fresno and go to the NSA tournament. And then you take over TCU, and TCU, a BCS school now, but that hasn't been the, you know, that hasn't been the case for too terribly long, and um, you had success your first two years, kind of took a step back your third year, but then last year, most wins since 2008, you go to the WNIT Final Four, uh, and then you had that week in the middle of the season where I think everyone kind of was informed about Horn Frog Nation when you beat Texas, and then you beat West Virginia on the road in overtime. Uh, take us through last year. I mean, was there was there ever something that clicked? Uh, was it just, hey, it's year four, so you got a, a bunch of good players in? Like, what was it that really made that season so successful? Well, honestly, I think it was the season before, where, as you noted, it was it was hard. You know, there weren't as many of the wins as we would have liked to, but we were so stinking young, and um, you know very similar to when I was a very, very young head coach. You can only know what you know, and experience has so much value. Mm. Um, we were able to, uh, two years ago, to get a lot of young players a lot of playing time, and that helped them in that next year, uh, which was this past season. Um, you know, they were the youngest team in the Big 12 when uh, two years ago. They were, we were still pretty dang young last year. Um, and, you know, they just started to learn how to win close teams. They started to know what it meant to play in the Big 12, the physicality of uh, the Big 12, the crowds of the Big 12, how important every possession is. They started to understand, like, okay, when I go home for Christmas and we have West Virginia as the first game out of the gate coming <laughs> home, what do I need to be doing uh, over Christmas break <laughs> yeah. so I can be ready to rock and go? Um, so. I just think experience helped a lot. Team chemistry, we just got better, too. Um, you know, a big mantra for our program is just because time goes by doesn't guarantee that you get better. You work a plan. You commit to a plan. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think our staff, too. You know, our, our staff continue to get better for our team and serve them um, in more effective ways. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, I was curious of knowing, too, is that you know, like when you take over a Utah State and you're out of Fresno, was your goal in coaching, did you ever have a goal of, hey, I'd like to be a BCS head coach? Um, what was, yeah, like what, I guess that, that is the question. Was there, was there ever a, yeah. a, a goal for you? No, I actually am not a huge, this is probably going to sound a little odd to people initially, but the only goal I have is to be my best that I can for the people around me. And to serve the people that, you know, I've been charged with to serve and have that opportunity to. Um, and that, in, that includes my players, that includes my staff, that includes the institutions I work for, and that includes absolutely my family, my, my two kids and, you know, my, my spouse, my husband. I just really feel that's the goal. Um, and... I didn't have in my head, I'm going to take these steps and I'm going to leave this school and go to that school and then go to that school. When I have made decisions about making a change, um, I've always thought I need to make sure that I'm not running away from one place. Mm. I'm running to somewhere. And that feels different um, when you're, you yeah. know what that feels like uh, when you're in it. Yeah. 
And then I also, it needed to be um, great for my family. My husband is uh, from California, um, so going to Fresno State brought us closer to some family. Um, and then this opportunity here at TCU, um, you know, was uh, as an institution, it really fit. I love the Big 12. I played in the Big 12. But I'm one of eight kids, and of, uh, of those eight, five live here in Dallas-Fort Worth, another one in Austin, and my parents are here in Fort Worth. So this was a chance that I could marry my family and my uh, passion of coaching uh, together, and uh, it's, it is truly, truly a special place. It's different. Yeah. But it's really special. Yeah. That's pretty cool circumstances, to be sure, and uh where you live uh, leads naturally into this next one. You're you're the lead analyst for the Dallas Wings. What are you yeah. do, What are you That's doing? Funny. What are you doing? You're 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 a BCS head coach, and and you're uh, you know you're doing a side gig too, and doing a great job. Uh, how and why? Well, it's funny that like you even call it a job because I don't really see it as that. It it just happens, you know where. They called and asked me if I wanted to do it, and um, I, you know, asked some questions, and I made sure they understood and knew that hey, my I have two other major priorities, and that's my family, and that is my team, and uh, my my job and responsibilities here at TCU, and those will always come first. And uh, you know, Greg Bibb and Fred Williams and Ron Doolin and Bob Steinfeld, all those people that I work with. Um, over there I couldn't ask more from them because they get it like when I have to go recruiting I gotta go yeah. when um, you know my family has something that we need to do and then that's what's happening but um, it is I really feel like I just get to drive down I-30 over to UT Arlington College Park Center and I sit down with friends and I talk about basketball that's all yeah. I talk about basketball. I talk about what I love. I talk about what I see. Um, and at the end of the game, what's really kind of bizarre is that win or lose, I take the headset off and I don't have to go home and uh, <laughs> do what I go through with, with a TCU game. Yeah. It's a little different. That's a nice change. I do have a I do have a heart for this Dallas Wings team and I'm excited for the growth that they've shown too. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun, I'm sure, well, especially with the emergence of Liz, Liz Cambage as a legitimate MVP candidate. What? Uh, just I'll give you just one wings question, but what do you think they need to do down the stretch to uh, get prepared to sneak into the playoffs and make some noise potentially, which they're capable of doing, I think. Yeah, well, look, one other thing I just want to say about your last question was, you know, one of the main things that I feel like, again, I feel like I get way more out of doing this than – anybody else gets out of me doing this is that I get an exposure to the best players and some of the best coaches in the world and you know they are so good to me they let me come into their practices I watch their film I ask them questions like why are you doing this and most of my questions almost all of them are to help TCU sure. get better sure and um, when I watch the Dallas Wings um, they're a team that you know, we continue to steal stuff from um, into our program, whether it's terms, it's concepts, it's game plan, it's ways to attack a, an ice on ball screen, um, and that staff has been phenomenal. Now, Liz Cambage, as you mentioned, she's been transformational, I think, for uh, that organization, and 
they've got a really cool, you know, combination with Skylar Diggins-Smith and Liz Cambage. Um, they're a team, though, that I'd say is we, we sometimes actually put these expectations on them because they have one of the most dominant players that they should be the most dominant team. And, but they're still a young team. I looked on the floor the other day, and they they had three players on the floor that only have a year and a half of experience with playing professional basketball mm. um, compared to, you know, playing against some of these more experienced squads. Uh, but they're definitely going to have to, uh, down the stretch here, to be able to get into the playoffs, secure that spot, and maybe even, as you know, the, the race is so tight that you could see the number two seeded team right now not get into the playoffs yeah. in a week. Yeah. As well as the number nine seed team could end up uh, in the playoffs and maybe, I mean, outrageous stuff would have to happen, but get a bye. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have to, I think, really lock in on that defensive end of the floor. Um, I think perimeter defense is going to have to take a lot of accountability. Um, you know, Liz Cambage is an incredible rim protector, but you can't rely on her too much. Um uh, in that situation, and I think offensively, which will help a lot if this team starts not only continuing to feed Liz, but they've got to find that confidence in that three-point line, which they found it a little bit against Washington in the last game. Yeah, they do. You touched on it earlier in your question, so I want to—I really want to jump back on this. You talk about okay. what you've you've gained from being around them, and, and I want to talk to you about the relationship building between college coaches and WNBA coaches. Now, obviously, only twelve teams in WNBA, so not every college program has a you know a team within reasonable driving distance. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. I, I know plenty of coaches, you know, go down to WNBA training camps for a day or two days, maybe. Um, but it, it seems to me, and and. Please correct me if you, you view it differently. I feel like a lot of programs, if they don't have a draftable player, they don't necessarily put the effort out there to you know form that relationship. And every WNBA coach, GM I talk to, they're like, yeah, I mean, literally, open-door policy anytime uh, people want. And I feel like not enough college coaches take advantage of that until they see, oh, I've got a player who might get drafted in the second round. Now I'm going to go build that relationship. I don't know if you disagree with that or agree with that, um, but I, I don't know. For me, I just I feel like the relationship building between the two, it can be better, and I think it kind of falls on the college coaches. Yeah. Well, I can, I'll tell you what we've done here at TCU, and I, I'm not sure about every other program in the yeah, country. Sure. I don't want to paint too, too strong of a, a sure. brushstroke there, but um, when the Dallas Wings moved here from Tulsa, I called Doug Bruno as a call and Doug Bruno I think has probably done the best job over the years of aligning his program with the Chicago Sky the local WNBA team and supporting it um, and having a presence and a relationship there and I asked him why why do you do it what does DePaul women's basketball gain from it um and you know we had a, a great conversation I was really thankful for his uh transparency there and so I, I knew as a you know Power 5 coach, as a college coach, I needed to really support this league and also in my role as a, an alumni of the WNBA. Um, I want to support that. So um, I just, obviously, I, I've got the relationship with my broadcasting, but 
Um, we encourage our players to go. NCAA rules don't allow us to put them in our car and drive them ourselves, but they go on their own and they watch and they see it. Um, they they get experience with that. My staff goes there. My staff went and spent a week and a half um, out in LA with Brian Adler um, and learned a tremendous amount. He came and worked with our team for an entire season as a consultant um, because I wanted to learn from his mind. Cool. Um, you know, I, I asked some of them to do scouts on my team. I want to learn. I want to see from their scope and their lens mm. uh, what they think of my team and where we can get better at. Um, and, you know, I've got a player right now who's doing an internship. She's a rising senior, Amy Oconquo, all Big 12 player, um, who hasn't, she's got a shot at the WNBA. Uh, but she worked herself to get an internship with that team for long-term professional reasons um, off the floor, but also she wanted to be able to see as much as she could of what it means to be a pro. Um, so it, And when she gets that opportunity, she's that much more experienced at it. So I think you're right. I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of coaches talk to players and recruits about um, what they have to do to become a pro, but I don't know if they're really answering that question yeah. with um, a lot of research. Yeah. And you and I have talked about it, Blake. There's a lot of chatter and a lot of talk, and a lot of it's good about increasing salaries and increasing, um, you know, the, the league's exposure. Um, and I really think the way that gets done is from the grassroots level, women's basketball fans, players, coaches need to support that level more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's buying tickets it's going to games it's learning from it it's turning the tv on and watching it it's buying the league pass and learning from it there's a lot of ways to be more engaged yeah no i agree i mean and you know the league pass costs you know a cheap dinner at chili's i mean it's like you know it's (laughs) 16 bucks and i think that's a dinner for two yeah right right yeah exactly (laughs) and Especially with the league, and you you can speak on it because you you're there every single game. But you know, people that watch it, the league has never been better. I mean, it is the talent levels through the roof. And I guess to 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 have a kind of a lighthearted answer, you get drafted back there in that first year. Could could you could peak Reagan Peebley play in today's <laughs> WNBA? Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. But. Look, I mean, I think I was on teams and drafted because I think I was a great teammate. And I do think when you're, whether you're in the college game or definitely at the pro level too, you have to have those players that are totally about the squad and they understand their role. Uh, It may not be to perform in games, but it is to perform in practice and it's to make everybody better and not everyone is going to be a superstar. I think that's something Ariel Atkins has done so well when she came into Washington. Well, she didn't come in trying to um, take over Elena Deladon and Christy Tolliver's spot. Mm-hmm. She came in to work really, really hard and be a great teammate and invest in the organization and see it be successful. So, I think I would have made one of those last 
if I saw the team, um, it would have been uh, been ready when my name was called. But the talent and the athleticism uh, at this level uh, and where the game's at, you're right. It's so good. It's so fun to watch. It's, and it's just going to keep getting better and better as the game continues to move more positionless. And when you're a six-four, you know, girl learning how to play the game yeah. at, at 14 or 15 years old, nowadays they don't just teach you how to do a drop step. No. They teach you a lot more about the game facing yeah. up and how to guard on the perimeter and vision, and that's what's uh, that's what's happening with the game right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, I'll let you get out on one last question, and uh, just to be fair to you, uh, I want to give you open air and open space to to talk about your team for the upcoming year. Uh, again, such a such a phenomenal year last year, but I know that there's still that climb you want to make uh, within your own conference. So I'm just going to kind of open the floor for you to, to tell us uh, what to expect for your team, what you're excited about. Well, thanks, Blake. I think, uh, you know, the Big 12 is, is uh, such a great conference, so much talent in it, and great coaches. Holy cow, so many just Hall of Fame level and Hall of Fame fitted uh, coaches in this league. Um, but what we're really excited about with our team is I really feel so far we've had the best summer best off season that we've ever had um you know our, our strength and conditioning our, our skill development uh where our focus has been at um and improvements that we've made um but we've got i think about 75 percent of our offense 85 percent of our rebounding returning we've added more depth in the post which is going to help a player like jordan Moore and angel Conquo so much um they're they're special uh players um and I just think, too, our guard play and returning guard play is really good. A lot of versatility. We're, we're pretty positionless with four players on the floor at any time. Um, and uh, But we, we've got to keep getting better at defending. You know, that's the challenge in this league is always is how are you going to guard uh, the, the Baylor high-low game and how, how are you going to stop, stop that two-headed monster. Um, but, you know, we're – we're going to play the game a little bit different. We have been, and we're going to continue to do it um, with a high level of IQ, but an even higher level of enthusiasm. Well, Coach, you've done a great job, uh, sincerely. And I'm not just doing that to, to blow smoke, but uh, you had a great year last year. It was fun seeing you guys make that run. And, uh, again, one of the more enjoyable uh, analysts and one of the, the, the better ones in the league for my money. So certainly appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join me today. Well, thanks, Blake, and keep doing what you're doing. It's so it's so fun to read what you're doing and hear your your uh, podcast and um, just spreading the the love and the word of the game is um, is really really cool. And you're doing a great job with it. So well, thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. So certainly, we'll uh, continue keeping on and, and watching the Horn Frogs. Get your horns up. That's right. Look at you. You know what you're doing. You can put blood in me, I guess. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, my, my first ever women's basketball game at any level I ever went to was at UNC Charlotte, and it was a Conference USA championship game between Louisville and TCU when Sandora Irvin was there. And that was, yes. that was I was in, I, gosh, I had to be in middle school. And that was the first ever women's basketball game I saw. And Sandora Irvin was so good. And I remember at that moment going, Whoa, these are girls, but they're really yeah. good. <laughs> I know. Well, look, they say first impressions, you know, they're they're everything. So it looks like it, they got you hooked. Absolutely. Andrew Irvin was an incredible player. And uh, can you believe she just barely retired? Um, 
as she had a long, fantastic career. Yeah, she certainly did. Well, Coach, thank you again, and best of luck this year. All right, go Frogs. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jump Around, and thanks to TCU head women's basketball coach and Lee Dallas Wings TV analyst Reagan Peebley for joining me today. As always, you can subscribe to The Jump Around on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you listen on iTunes, please leave a review. You can find me on Twitter at Blake Dudonis. And as always, I appreciate you listening. This is The Jump Around.